All right, howdy out there. This is Beck Barnes and Jim Stebbin of Cotton Grower Magazine fame. We are coming at you with the internationally acclaimed Cotton Companion podcast here in this, the third week of July. Uh, Whether you are joining us from Mesa, Arizona, or Level Plains, Alabama, we are glad that you're checking out the cotton industry landscape with us today. I'm joined, as always, as I mentioned a moment ago, by Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Hello, Beck, and I'm glad you mentioned our international audience on this because technically we do have some international folks who check in and listen to this podcast uh, every couple of weeks. I, I have not seen, you may have looked at some metrics that I have not, I'm assuming that's going to be folks in India, is that right? Folks in India, folks, you know, primarily India. India and Pakistan, primarily. Okay, well, we're we're happy to have them. We're happy. So, hello, hello to all of you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we are we are back in here <clears throat> on a more local note uh, in the studio today. As outside, the rain is coming down and is going to be coming down for the next few days. Again, this is as we pod. It's July fifteenth, and I believe we're catching outer bands of what is now tropical depression, Barry. Um, as it. Uh, worked its way up the, uh, made landfall down there in Louisiana, and, you know, we're just catching sort of that stormy outer remnants of it, I guess. I think it? I think depression's exactly the right word okay, good. for it at this point, yeah. because it is depressing to look outside. Yeah, it, exactly. So, um, anyhow, it's going to be here. It's Monday as we pod. It'll be here through midweek, and I know that it's been already been a rainy uh, 2019 for much of this region, and our thoughts are certainly with the rain-soaked folks down there in the Mississippi Delta and, of course, down there in New Orleans, where really all along through this region here, um, flooding was already pervasive before this storm arrived. And now, you know, we have this natural phenomenon that's happening. And um, anyhow, it's it's not a great time for a lot of folks who were waterlogged, and we are thinking of y'all uh, as we begin this week. So uh, on a related note, I believe, uh, as Stedman was telling me earlier, we may skip our crop progress report, which we normally do in every episode of the Cotton Companion, because this storm we know is, that report is due out from USDA today, and we know that they're not going to be able to account for the, uh, I guess, damage for probably the best way to put it, that this storm is going to cause. And so uh, anyhow, we're going to skip that. We'll we'll bring you a much more relevant and updated uh, numbers and stats on those in our next podcast, but we're going to skip it today, I believe. So uh, at any rate, before we get started, before I wade too deep into uh, what all we're going to get into this... No, no pun intended. Yeah, this episode. Uh, I want to hold up, and we're going to get a quick word from today's sponsor, the fine folks at Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. All right, so that is a timely Phytogen ad because at this moment, we're going to bring y'all a brief custom content segment featuring our very own custom content editor, Robin Sichtberg, and she recently sat down and talked with Dr. Tom Eubank, a Phytogen cotton development specialist for the great state of Mississippi. And so we want to bring you that custom interview right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sitfer, Custom Content Editor with Meister Media Worldwide, which is publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. My guest today is Dr. Tom Eubank, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist for Mississippi. Welcome to the program, Tom. Thank you, Robin. Glad to be here. We all know this season's been a tough one for a lot of growers, um, particularly in in your area in Mississippi, with all the rainfall. Um, But of course, 
farming always changes. The challenges never go away. So we know we've had early season challenges. What ki kinds of things are you seeing as far as the summer months? Um, maybe give us a little recap of what you've seen this season. Yes, uh, this this year has been particularly challenging for a lot of growers uh, with, with the excessive rainfall and flooding that uh, we've experienced in the Mid-South. Uh, it has made uh, planting and getting crops up to a, a uniform stand uh, very challenging. And uh, one of the things that we're seeing now is once we've gotten, gotten into the growing season is we've got a lot of variability in the, the stands. And in some situations, we've got cotton in parts of the field that is 13, 14 nodes and flowering, and on the other end of the field, uh, it may be only three or four node cotton. And that has made PGR rec recommendations somewhat of a challenge this year in trying to manage uh, essentially two crops growing in the same field. And so we we try to recommend growers manage for the bulk of the field, whatever that may be, if it's more of the cotton on the smaller size than and uh, obviously we need to try to manage for that. But uh, somewhere in the middle, uh, try to find a happy medium to where we're at least keeping some of the larger cotton uh, in check. Obviously, precision uh, applications or variable rate applications of PGR could definitely be of some benefit in those situations as well. What are you seeing regarding weed pressure so far this year? Yeah, so one of the big issues we've seen this year is with all the rainfall, Farmers have had a difficult time uh, applying timely applications of their herbicides. In some cases, they haven't been able to get the residual herbicides out as well, and that's created some some really big issues for growers uh, having these fields grown up in weeds. And one thing that has become evident is with the, the Enlist technology in phytogen cotton, we can apply a combination of glufosinate and Enlist-1 and control a lot of these troublesome broadleaf weeds, such as Palmer amaranth. Obviously, we still have the utility of, of glyphosate that we can put out to control grasses, but the combination of Enlist-1 and glufosinate has really opened growers' eyes to how effective tool that is in managing troublesome weeds. What about new varieties? Are there any new varieties you're excited about this year that maybe you've seen in some field trials? Yeah, a, a couple of uh, phytogen 350 in, in, the, in the North Delta uh, and South Delta as well has it, really caught a lot of people's attention because of the bigger emergence. Uh, it, it, it just looks like cotton is supposed to look like uh, and really aggressive coming out of the ground, but still easy, easy to manage with ticks. Another variety that uh, has gotten a grower's attention is, is a full season variety, new variety that we have is phytogen 580. Uh, it uh, is going to look really good in, in the southeast and, and deep south because it is a full season variety, so that a uh, little bit different uh, variety for, for us than what we've had in the past, but uh, it's caught a lot of pe people's attention as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I think we're going to have to wrap up, but can you tell growers where they can find more information on these varieties and other things about phytogen cotton? Sure. Uh, they can reach out to us at phytogen.com or they can uh, call their local territory manager or cotton development specialist in their uh, geography. We'll be happy to help them. All right. Well, thank you again for being on the program. Thank you, Rob.
All right, so uh, a big thank you to Robin and to Dr. Tom Eubank for that. Uh, we want to get the ball rolling here now on this, what is our 51st episode. We got a good one for you today. It's kind of a lengthy news segment because it has been uh, quite a bit since the last time we spoke to y'all due to a little quirk in the calendar. I believe it's been three weeks since the last podcast we brought to you. And so a lot has transpired, uh, as Jim and I were just discussing, and that's good. It's good for us when there's things happening out there in the market. It gives us something to cover during what can sometimes be these sleepy summer months as you guys are pushing hard out there on the farm. A lot of times the industry slows down otherwise on the news front, but that is not the case today. We are going to be telling you we had some EPA registration news about it uh, kind of opening up Uh, use of a crop protection product for y'all. We'll tell you about that. Uh, The NCC is launching a program we want to tell y'all about. Maybe the wildest thing to think about, uh, we want to tell y'all the first bale of cotton in 2019 in the United States has been produced. It's kind of mind-blowing. So we're going to bring you all the details on that too. Uh, After that, after we get done with our news, we want to bring y'all a conversation that Jim recently had. He was up at the Southern Cotton Jenners Association annual meeting, right? Summer meeting. Summer meeting, excuse me, uh, where he spoke with Cotton Incorporated's Cater Hake. And uh, Dr. Hake is always a great guy to speak with uh, from his vantage point there at Cotton Incorporated, where they have their fingers in so many things that help our industry out. Um, Cater is a good one to be talking to about the state of this industry. So we're going to bring that to you. Again, as you can tell, a great episode. So without further ado, I am going to get out of the way and turn this thing over to Jim here, who's going to lead us in this focused discussion of the news items of the day. Jim, take All it away. All right. Thanks, Beck. Uh, as Beck mentioned, we're going to we're going to breeze through several items that uh, that have sort of hit the news front here in the last several weeks. The biggest one and the most recent one uh, came last Friday, July 12th, when EPA announced that long-term approval has been restored for sulfoxaphor, which is commonly known in the cotton market under the brand name Transform. I'm not reasonably sure. There are very few cotton growers out there who have not had Transform uh, applied to their to their crops. It is a critical tool, obviously, in battling piercing and sucking insects such as plant bugs and aphids, and uh, also has a very minimal environmental impact. Now we got to step back for just a couple minutes. Transform was originally registered in May of 2013. And in 2015, the product approval was vacated by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals after pollinator advocates petitioned for review of the registration. So in 2016, then, EPA approved a second registration for the product use on non-blooming crops that did not attract bees, plus put in place some additional interim application restrictions while some new data was being obtained on, on bees. That 2016 registration did not include cotton, and since that time, uh, cotton and I believe grain sorghum as well have since relied on a series of Section 18 labels for use in cotton belt states. But following an extensive risk analysis and review of one of, as EPA's uh, spokesperson last week put it, one of the largest data sets ever built concerning the effects of a pesticide on bees, Last week's announcement restores the previous uses for uh, sulfoxaflor, including full label registration and approval again for cotton. It adds some new uses and removes certain application restrictions for use in a number of other crops. Now, as you would expect, the National Cotton Council issued a statement of appreciation for the decision, uh, which was assisted 
and help make possible by some extensive behind-the-scenes work and documentation provided from the council to EPA since 2016, primarily focusing on the value of the product uh, and its fit in an integrated pest management program to combat uh, pesticide resistance. You can find out more information on this. Uh, we have an article posted currently on, on uh, the homepage, as a matter of fact, of cottongrower.com, and in that article you'll also find a link to EPA's approval document that should provide a little bit more background should you, uh, should you be interested. Yeah, the only drawback that I can think of, Jim, is that it takes away a, a press release we get every year when Transform receives its ty- <laughs> it's, it's uh, whatever the temporary I forget the section eighteen uh, section eighteen yeah so now we we won't have that mm. we have to go out and find a new well, story and it's, and it's not just one news release it's a series of news releases right, from as, each state as each state gets which it, is yeah. you know it's it's great because we love to see it because that you know that's progress that tells us that the season is really really up and moving but sure. uh, it's going to make a it's going to make these. Uh, the state entomologist jobs a whole lot simpler yeah. at this point, yeah. which, you know, and we're happy for you guys. Yeah, that's a great point. I remember interviewing, I believe it was Angus Catchett, who was telling me a couple years ago at Mid-South Farm and Gin Show, all of the, um, it may have been Darren, I forget, but all of the, you know, they, they have to put in a lot of work to file that paperwork sure they do. to get that uh, Section 18 for their specific state. And it's, you know, and that's what those guys do. That's part of their job is to go to bat on behalf of the farmers in their state but boy, that's a lot of work that they now don't have to do anymore. Exactly, a lot of desk work that they don't have to burden themselves with. So good for them. So yeah, they get a week of vacation there instead. Yeah, I'm sure they're chuckling. I'm sure they'll that. find something else to do. Though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, second item. A couple months ago, we discussed uh, the National Cotton Council was uh, was introducing a new U.S. Cotton Trust protocol, which is a program to uh, help confirm and increase awareness that U.S. cotton producers are farming responsibly and sustainably. So as promised with that initial announcement, the NCC has now initiated a pilot program for the protocol with a controlled group of growers to help refine that program before its full launch in early 2020. Now Ken Burton, who is the protocol executive director, said the council's working to enroll producer members in this pilot phase and that groups, organizations, and firms such as gins, merchants, and marketing cooperatives are also being enlisted to help recruit producers and help verify information obtained through the protocol. Now, if if you recall quickly, the protocol was developed to help the U.S. cotton industry reduce its environmental footprint via some very specific sustainability goals that are targeted for 2025. Uh, More information on the protocol, including program details, and how to enroll if you're interested in being part of this pilot program. Uh, you can find that online at trustuscotton.org. That's T-R-U-S-T-U-S-C-O-T-T-O-N dot org. And in keeping with our discussions on cotton sustainability, uh, the Soil Health Institute is conducting four field days uh, this month and next month. Uh, in the southeast and the mid-south to help increase awareness of soil health on U.S. cotton farms. Uh, these field days are, uh, are basically, are, I guess, have been, have been named the Healthy, Healthy Soils for Sustainable Cotton Field Days. Uh, they are supported by Wrangler, the VF uh, Corporation Foundation, and the Walmart Foundation in conjunction with the, with the uh, Soil Health Institute. And each field day is going to include some demonstrations and discussions of soil health practices uh, for things like building drought resistance, 
to en for enhancing nutrient availability, reducing erosion, and uh, help in designing a soil health management system to help meet consumer demand for sustainable cotton, which as we all realize is a growing concern. Uh, discussions are going to be led by farmers who are already successfully using soil health systems, uh, along with some extension and USDA NRCS specialists and a lead trainer with the Soil Health Institute. Uh, all cotton producers are invited to participate. There is no cost. Lunch will be provided, which is always a big draw. And if you're interested, the four field days are scheduled. The first one, July 23rd at Sunshine Place Farms in Millen, Georgia. The second on July 25th at the Brinkley Convention Center in Brinkley, Arkansas. August 20th at the Halifax County Agricultural Center in Halifax, North Carolina. August 22nd at the Southeastern Agriculture Center in Lumberton, North Carolina. Now details and registration information for each of these field days, you can find that in our article about the events posted on cottongrower.com or by visiting the Soil Health Institute website. And while we're talking about dates and events, uh, the National Cotton Council has announced the tour dates and locations for this year's Producer Information Exchange Program, commonly known as the PIE Program. Uh, the program is now in its 31st year. Uh, it is sponsored by Bayer through a grant to the Cotton Foundation. And over those 31 years, it has enabled more than 1,100 U.S. cotton producers to visit cotton belt regions other than their own to learn about some innovative production practices from their farming peers. This season, two of the three tours are going to occur during the same week. Uh, July 28th through August 2nd, producers from the southeast are going to, uh, to see farming operations uh, here in our backyard in the upper mid-south, while southwest producers will tour California's San Joaquin Valley. The third tour, which is set for August 11th through the 16th, will take mid-south and far west producers to the southeast to visit farming operations in North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, I anticipate we will have more information about that, including a list of uh, participants for each of those tours uh, coming soon. So watch, uh, watch cottongrower.com for all that information coming up. Yeah, I, w I have had, I'll say briefly, the opportunity to ride along on a handful of those tours over the past decade that I've been here at the magazine. <coughs> it's always a big hit. It, you know, in addition to getting to see how farmers in another region operate and maybe learning something about that you could take back to your home farm, uh, a fringe benefit of that thing is that, you know, the guys who are on that bus or in that van, you also make connections with growers from your home region and you find like-minded <clears throat> like folks who are interested in being advocates for the industry and going to bat for your hometown, your home region, the, the U.S. cotton industry as a whole. It's just a great place to make connections as well as learn about, uh, you know, learn about your trade, learn about farming from other knowledgeable folks. So uh, all of that to say, I would recommend if you have the opportunity to go along on one of these things, reach out to your local NCC rep or whoever you may need to and uh, see about riding along on one of those uh, pie tours. They're pretty sharp. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. And finally, as Beck mentioned, uh, for the second consecutive year, uh, Wesley Vanderpool, who's a grower in South Texas, has delivered the official certified first bale of cotton in the U.S. to the Willacy Co-op in Sebastian, Texas. And that was uh, delivered on Friday, 
June 21st. Uh, the seed cotton, which was grown from, a, from what we understand was FiberMax 1944GLB2, weighed in at 1,920 pounds. It was grown and picked in Hidalgo County, about three and a half miles west of La Jolla, Texas. For his efforts, Vanderpool received an award of $3,000 from the Harlingen Cotton Committee. And once it's ginned, this bale of cotton will then be delivered to the Harlingen Area Chamber of Commerce to be auctioned at the town's annual first bale auction and scholarship fundraiser on September 12th. Uh, this Harlingen Cotton Committee has verified that the nation's first bale of cotton has come from the Rio Grande Valley for the past 66 years. Crazy. And of course, there's going to be somebody up there around Amarillo mm. who's saying, I, I'm not finished planting yet. It's, you know. I haven't even started planting yeah. by, <laughs> by the time. That, I know. It's, uh, you know, I guess that's, uh, that's the, the advantage, the head start that South Texas gets. Yeah. It's a big state. It's a big belt. And boy, it's a big state. <clears throat> Absolutely. Big, big state of Texas. Definitely. Okay, was that was that That's our it last for news. item? Okay, all That's right. It. Well, uh, thank you, Jim, as always. And now uh, we want to switch gears a little bit. <clears throat> We're going to bring you that interview with Dr. Cater Hake of Cotton Incorporated. He has been um, an advocate. I believe he was uh, he was with Delta Pine prior to that, or maybe it was Bear. I know that I have seen him around uh, for such a long time, even prior to him joining Cotton Incorporated. But he's been an advocate wherever he's been. And he's so knowledgeable about our industry, and I know that um, always good to catch up with him. Jim, what what did y'all talk about this time? Well, what we what we had the opportunity to do is Cater was at this uh, at the Southern Cotton Generous Association meeting to kind of provide an update on uh, on cottonseed and some of the markets and opportunities and things uh, for cottonseed that Cotton Incorporated is working with other groups on, and more specifically regarding some of the uh, the low gossipol cotton varieties that were approved back in October by uh, USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. Uh, we talked about those varieties a little bit, where they stand, where they are in the, in the development prop, uh, guidelines or, or pipeline at this point, and what some of the, uh, the benefits and opportunities uh, that are sitting out there waiting for, uh, for this cotton and cotton seed to, uh, to get into larger scale production. So uh, it was a good, a good conversation. Uh, happy to sit down with, uh, with Cater on this, and I think you'll find it very interesting. Very good. Okay, so, uh, so without further ado then, we will bring you that interview right now. Welcome to this episode's Market Minute, which today is actually going to be a discussion on future market opportunities. Today I'm joined by Dr. Cater Hake, Vice President of Ag and Environmental Research with Cotton Incorporated. Cater, thank you so much for joining us. Jim, it's great to be here with the Southern Cotton Generous Association in Branson. Good Absol to see you. Absolutely. As you, as you said, we are in Branson with the Southern Cotton Generous Association. This is their summer meeting. Uh, and earlier today, there was a pretty lively discussion uh, during the uh, the program on the benefits and opportunities that low or no gossipal cotton can can afford. I know this was this was a subject that uh, people have been looking at for a number of years. Uh, we finally got some approvals on the seed itself yes. within the past year. But can you kind of give us a? And I know you guys have been intimately involved, correct, in developing all of this. Can you kind of give us a quick summary on on some of those opportunities and where we stand with it at this point? Uh, 
Jim, probably the best part of the day is we heard it n not from Cotton Corp, but we heard from the crushers. Right. Uh, John Fricky got up and talked about what it would mean for, for the crushers and increasing capacity and demand for cottonseed. Um, and the, he explains it so much better. You know, he's talking about why do you want a toxin in your cottonseed exactly. <laughs> if you don't have to have exactly. it? Exactly. And, you know, if we wanted to put a toxin in something, the, the EPA had never let us do it, FDA. Mm -hmm. You know, but so we have this natural plant toxin in, in cotton, and we've known about glandless cotton that doesn't have that toxin gossipol in any parts of the plant, and that was so valuable in the seed that it was tested extensively around the world. Tamu nuts, mm -hmm. you know, and California pushed it hard, Africa pushed it hard. Right. But if you don't have gossipol in the entire plant, it's vulnerable to insects. And so the new technology that's come along allows that you take it just out of the seed, but leave it in the rest of the plant where it does good. So that's what John was talking about, is how that works into adding value to the cotton seed. Mm -hmm. Now, John, of course, is with Planters Oil Mill. Yes. And uh, which is one the of Pine Bluff, yep. Arkansas. And Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which is one of I think he said eight major mills that are still operating in the U.S. Uh, what sort of opportunities with this with this new low gospel, not just from an oil perspective, but maybe from other cottonseed products? Sure. Uh, what are, what are we looking at? What are some possibilities? And maybe kind of a look at the at the timeline. Sure, sure. Well, let's do the timeline first because okay. that's you know, when is it going to be? As people ask all the time. <laughs> well, we got approval to plant it without any regulatory requirements last fall. So right. this year we're actually doing a seed increase. Okay. Now. The seed increase goes from the, the greenhouse to the field, so it's a tenth of an acre. But it's in a very nice variety that everyone's going to recognize, Stoneville 474, okay. because the, mm -hmm. no patent and the PVP is expired. And it's a variety that takes transgenes. Remember the BXN 47 cotton? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then there's been a whole bunch of Stoneville 474s with transgenes in them because it really takes it well and right. it's adapted across the U.S. And it's a great yielding variety. It's a great yielding variety. And it's got okay quality, but it's a good way to get started and demonstrate it right. and get the seed companies interested. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. So it's going to go to Winter Nursery We is the plan, and then come back to the U.S., hopefully with 500 to 1,000 acres. And what's really exciting is about the crushing industry sees the value in this, and so they want to help. So we're talking with them about helping to get it grown and segregated and, and identity preserved and then made into extremely high value, high protein. You know, the higher the protein content, the more value you can put into it and go after fish meal. Okay. So that's the target. It's we're, we're still missing one more approval in the U.S. That's FDA. And we That could happen anytime. And that's what gives us full food and feed approval. So humans can eat it. But the target is really going to be just a step below that. Um, you know, we'd love to go after pets. <laughs> but, you know, that's you got to advertising, but when you substitute for an existing market, such as you do with fish meal and carnivorous fish, you know the um, the the trout and sea bass and 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 salmon, those need to eat other fish. They're carnivorous fish. Well, the the soybean industry has been trying to put their product in there, and they have palatability problems so bad they're trying to to engineer the fish <laughs> so the fish will eat the soybeans. The yeah, they're in the food. That's crazy. And because cottonseed just fits perfectly into that, we've we've been able to substitute up to. 
to 75% of the fish meal in those high-end carnivorous fish markets. So the, the opportunity is not only on the, on the meal, which previous, currently can only go into ruined animals, cattle, right. and feedlot, um, you know, very low value market. Mm -hmm. You take the gospel out, it goes right to the top of the value chain. So you get that on the meal, but on the oil, you know, getting the gospel out of the oil is a very expensive process from a refining. And so on the other side, we've got this healthy oil story mm -hmm. and we, we still have some more research to do there. Um, but we're looking at a an extra virgin cold pressed cottonseed oil, <laughs> right? And sell it for the same price you sell olive oil. And so it, getting the gospel out really helps you to go you know, add a whole bunch of value to all the components of the cottonseed. Right. And since we've been sitting here in this meeting today with the Basically, everybody here is a cotton grower, but also a ginner. Right. So from both sides of that perspective, there's some real advantages for both of them. Absolutely. And the advantages are, are rock solid for the growers and the and the ginners and the and the crushers. Right. But also even broader for the textile mills. You know, the textile mills, we know what happened when, when cotton had $2 a pound. It just destroyed it demand died. and the movies yes. died, right? And so the textile mills, they want a a large supply of reasonably priced cotton. Growers and ginners want a large supply of high income per acre. So get the profitability off the seed mm -hmm. and that allows growers, U.S. growers particularly, to grow a little bit more cotton, be profitable from the seed and not have a demand destroying price for the fiber. So you can see how the textile mills, and th they just woke up to this a few years ago. They said, boy, cotton seed is really important for us. And then they also the people that are promoting the brands and retailers that are promoting cotton, they see the advantage because the sustainability story of having feeding people at the same time you buy a shirt. You know, when you buy a polyester shirt, you're not feeding anyone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but if you buy a cotton shirt, you're feeding people. Uh, so it's just a wonderful story all around. That's great. That's great. And particularly this market, the way the market sits right now, we can use all the good. Absolutely, we, we, we really can. And it's going to be, this is a long-term battle, and the trouble is once some of our competitors, such as Brazil, get heavily empowered, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to go away. No. <laughs> you know, so that we, we have, a, we have a, some work out in front of us. It's good, but it's also good to have a niche situation like oh, this absolutely. you can really take advantage of. Absolutely. And we have some natural advantages that Brazil doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know, since they're tropical, they've got the boll weevil. We've eradicated the boll weevil. Right. Um, they have pink bollworm. We've eradicated the pink bollworm. They have diseases that just clean their clock, and so they're forced to put a lot of pesticides into the crop that uh, we're very fortunate we're, we're not in anywhere near a case that they are. That's great. That's great. Cater, I appreciate you uh, taking time. Well, Jim, great to visit with you. Uh, and certainly we appreciate not only your time, but the work that Cotton Incorporated continues to do on behalf of the industry. Thank you, Jim. Okay. Great to Thank be here. Thank you. More of the Cotton Companion is coming right up. All right. Well, we want to give a big thank you, uh, Jim. I like thank you, and also thank Dr. Hake with Cotton Incorporated uh, for joining us, and also for all the work that those good folks at Cotton Inc. do. They put in uh, so much effort, so much research, so much advocacy on behalf of our in industry on so many fronts. And so, um, man, we, we want to thank them for for all that they do. 
Okay, that's going to just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, we want to thank Dr. Cater Hake for joining us again. We want to thank Phytogen for sponsoring us. And we want to thank you, dear listener, uh, sincerely for joining us as always. If you like what you're hearing, please tell your buddies about us. They can get to our podcast in three easy ways. They can go to cottongrower.com and add a forward slash companion so that it reads cottongrower.com slash companion into their, into their URL bar. Second way, simply subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever it is that you get to your podcast these days. The third and final way, the best way, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news. You can get that, you can do that by going to www.cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Once you're there, it's very intuitive, uh, user-friendly, and uh, you'll be able to sign up for our e-newsletter, which hits your inbox every Tuesday morning. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us at Cotton Grower Mag. And on Facebook, you can simply search for Cotton Grower Magazine in the Facebook search bar. Uh, you'll find us very easily. We hope that you're enjoying our latest issue. That is the May-June May June. May June issue. We, we have this uh, uh, swath of the summer where we don't produce a magazine. Our next one will be august september issue so here in july we are issueless so you'll have to forgive me for forgetting which one was the most recent in your mailbox anyhow there's plenty in there i'm sure you're still reading on it and i hope you are Um, so this podcast is produced by tyler hatch he works at the mothership meister media worldwide also by kim henderson who pinch hits for tyler on occasion they are in lovely willoughby ohio My name is Beck Barnes, and I'll be back with you in two weeks on the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Mr. Jim Stebman, we wish you and your farm all the best. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com.